Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And in today's Boston Globe, this headline, SJC criticizes Hamden DA over handling of Springfield police misconduct. This involves a case filed by the American Civil Liberties Union of Massachusetts and by the Committee for Public Counsel Services. By way of disclosure, I am still the supervising attorney for Western Massachusetts for the ACLU of Massachusetts. And we have with us today, Carol Rose, who is the executive director of the ACLU of Massachusetts. I want you to know this is no conflict in any way whatsoever. <clears throat> and I want to make sure Carol knows, I think you're doing a fabulous job. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Thank okay. you, Buzz. Hi, everybody. So let me read a bit from today's Boston Globe story. In 2021, the American Civil Liberties Union of Massachusetts Committee for Public Counsel Services and others sued Galooney, that's the Hamden County DA's office, and asked the SJC, the Supreme Judicial Court, to determine whether he and his prosecutors failed to disclose exculpatory information and investigate misconduct by the Springfield police. That was the questions posed, and here's how the Boston Globe summarizes it. Quote, the Supreme Judicial Court court found Galuni breached his duties on both counts and drew upon case law, law forged during the state drug lab scandal to instruct prosecutors to disclose exculpatory information about misconduct by officers, regardless of whether they agree with the finding of wrongdoing. The quote, the quote from the case from Justice Gaziano, again in the Globe today, says this, the remedy here is simple. All defendants affected by the Springfield Police Department's misconduct should have access to all materials known to have been received by the Department of Justice, that's the Federal Department of Justice, in drafting its report, that report saying that the Springfield Police had engaged in a pattern and practice of misconduct, of beating up people, specifically by the Narcotics Division, beating up people and then lying about it. Here's a quote I want to leave you with. The Supreme Judicial Court uh, said this in a statement by Carol Rose, the executive director of the ACLU of Massachusetts, in today's Globe. The SJC, she said, has sent a clear message to prosecutors and other law enforcement officials that they cannot ignore their fundamental duties to investigate and, and disclose potentially exculpatory information, just such as the shocking reports of systemic and widespread police misconduct in Springfield. Carlos, thank you so much for being with us again today. What more would you like to add to this report with regard to the decision by the Supreme Judicial Court yesterday in the Graham Court, Graham case? Right. Thank you, Bill. Um, it's great to be here. I, I have to say this is a major victory for due process uh, and for the rights of people who've been accused of crimes and especially people who are impacted by police misconduct in Springfield. I mean, in so many ways, the people of Springfield were sort of, you know, victimized twice, you know, first by the police department, uh, which had this history of uh, planting evidence, falsifying claims, uh, beating people up, uh, issuing, issuing racial epitaphs against them and things like that. And then again, by the prosecutors in the Hamden County DA's office who refused to turn over the information about this wrongdoing by the police to the defense counsel. Um, and had a duty to investigate. And you know, this area of the law was really clarified uh, by the ACLU and the Committee for Public Counsel Service, the public state public defenders. 
in the drug lab scandals um, where the court, the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts then ruled that when the state has violated someone's due process rights, has violated their rights in prosecuting them, it's up to the state, not the victim, to try to right that wrong. And here we've extended that to when, not just in an instance of a, a drug lab uh, that's part of the prosecution team, but that the police also are part of the prosecution team. And this is really important, not just because it's going to uh, help prosecutors to understand that their duty lies in investigating and then turning over the evidence. And when in doubt, they need to turn that over to the defense bar. But it also sends a message to the police that if they violate people's rights, if they plant evidence or falsify evidence or beat people out of into a confession, that that is not going to lead to a successful prosecution. And in so doing, it makes all of us safer and it makes all of us stronger and it really defends due process rights. So this is an incredibly historically important ruling um, and I think we should all embrace it uh, as a good way forward, giving clear guidance to both police and prosecutors of what they can and cannot do. Carol Rose, Executive Director of the ACLU of Massachusetts, for those of our listeners who are non-lawyers, we use the word exculpatory a lot as if everyone knows what we're talking about. What does exculpatory evidence mean? That responsibility uh, of the prosecutors according to the United States Constitution and the Massachusetts Constitution to turn over exculpatory evidence. But what does that mean? That's, that's evidence that may raise a doubt about whether or not uh, there's guilt, that, that suggests that maybe the evidence was planted, maybe the evidence was falsified, maybe the evidence points to the fact that uh, whatever somebody said in the confession was beaten out of them. So anything that would raise doubts about whether, about the veracity, the truthfulness of what the prosecutors are doing. So if it, it tends to lead to a potentially not guilty. Uh, for other reasons. And, and Bill, you, you may know better than I, you've done more criminal defense work than I have, um, but that's my understanding of what the word exculpatory means. But I, I defer to you, you have greater expertise. Yeah, I, I think that's a good explanation. It is evidence that is in the hands of the prosecutor that could help the defendant prove his innocence, dissuade the jury from believing the prosecutor's evidence, be useful in mitigation of the crime. For example, it's a lesser crime, a lesser included crime than what is being charged. Anything that could help the defendant, the prosecutor can't hide it. The Supreme Court of the United States decided that decades and decades ago. It's been reinforced by the Supreme Court of the United States and the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court time and time and time again. And yet here, when a Department of Justice report shows up in the hands of the Springfield Police Department and the Hamden County DA's office saying, look at all of this wrongdoing. Look what is going on in this police department. What do they do? Do they hand it over? Do they investigate? They did nothing. They had to be sued. I found it extraordinary that in this time and day that you have to sue the DA's office to do its job. I, 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 look, I was one of the attorneys on this case. I still find it appalling having lived with it all these years. Your thoughts, Carol? Well, I think that's right. And I think, you know, it really made clear that not only do you, does the prosecutor have an obligation to turn over this exculpatory evidence, they have an obligation to investigate as well. So it's not enough just, oh, I don't have it in my possession. You actually have to look for it. And so the Springfield Police Department turned over something like 114,000 pages uh, to the Department of Justice. Uh, but so far, we've had only looked at about 700, been able to see about 700 pages. And even from those tiny number of pages that were turned over. Uh, the DA's already identified 8,000 past and then pending 
cases on this. So if you take, if it's 700 pages, show that there's 8,000 cases that are implicated uh, by Springfield police misconduct. Um, imagine if it's 114,000 pages. Um, so we, I think we're yet to see uh, the whole iceberg. This has just been the tip of the iceberg of the wrongdoing. And again, it's so important because it's not just about prosecutors doing the wrong thing. It's about making sure that police get the message that if they violate people's rights, if they beat them or plant evidence or, uh, or, or falsify information about what they're doing, they're not going to be able to do their job effectively, which is supposedly to keep all of us safe. They're not going to be able to do that, and they don't do that when they beat people up or when they plant evidence. Um, and so I think this is a victory not only for prosecutor accountability, which is tremendously important, but for police accountability, which really impacts the people on the streets in Springfield and around the Commonwealth on a daily basis. And I think that it, we should emphasize that since this is a decision by the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts, it affects every district attorney throughout Absolutely. the state and every police officer who is now under this obligation. There was a really, I thought, moving quote by Justice Gaziano who said in his opinion this, quote, a prosecutor's obligation to disclose exculpatory material is just that, an obligation, not a decision. Right. Which is yeah, it's not enough. They don't. It's not subjective. They have to do it, and that I think is a clarification that all prosecutors need to pay attention to. Um, and I really just think that the Supreme Judicial Court. It's a it's a well reasoned and well written decision, based on. I mean, we filed this case in April of 2021. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, the wheels of justice grind slowly, but when they actually emerge, they do such. This decision does such a good job. It's a true law reform victory. Yeah, and the Hamden DA's office had the Justice Department's, the DOJ's reports for a year, almost a year before we filed. And amazingly, despite all sorts of importuning saying, disclose, disclose, reveal, reveal, they did nothing. And neither did the Springfield police, really. In my opinion, it's my opinion, shameful on their part. Carol Rose, I'd like to have, turn your attention, if I might, to something else involving Springfield. And that is a uh, uh, program that has been initiated by the Springfield Police to collect innocent people's DNA. Um, I don't right. think that this has received as much publicity in the Upper Valley as it has in the Springfield area, but I wish you would share this with us because it is, for me, a very concerning program. Yeah, well, so this is, once again, this is actually coming out of the Hamden County uh, District Attorney's Office again. Um, and I think it's well-intentioned, but not well thought through, is how I would frame it. Uh, this is, they've announced that their office is going to offer free DNA tests at public events, um, including, I think, at a hockey game on Sunday. Um, and they want to tell people, well, if you give us a DNA swab, we'll give you a free commercial genetic test uh, that you can have, which is about $100. And they've bought all these tests. So the state has used our taxpayer money to buy these DNA tests. And the idea they're saying is to solve cold cases. Well, you know, that sounds good as far as it goes. The problem is that <coughs> the science of DNA is such that when you give a DNA swab, you're not only giving your own DNA, which can tell everything about your genetic makeup, but you're actually giving DNA that of all of your living relatives and your future relatives, right? Because they can do what's called near allele testing, 
which is to get an almost match. So it might be a sibling, it might be a child, um, it might be a cousin or something like that. And the problem is you can't, they're not giving consent. You're giving consent, even for future generations, your grandchildren, for example, your nieces and nephews. Um, and you can say, well, what if they've not done anything wrong? But imagine this scenario, um, and this is particularly important because the private company that the Hamden County DA's office has uh, is working with, is contracted with, is based down in Texas and has said that Texas law applies. So if you have a grandchild or a niece or a nephew or anyone who goes down to Texas, maybe goes to college down in Texas, and then they decide that they need to have an abortion or they get to have a miscarriage, um, and Texas has said that's a crime, right? They can then track that DNA back to you and then look at everybody in your family and said, who's down in Texas? And they can immediately find your grandchild or your niece or nephew or your cousin and then arrest them down in Texas. So the implications of giving this away, of giving your DNA away um, to the government, to the police are huge. And this private company that they've contracted with has already said that they're going to share it with law enforcement. I mean, that's the point, right? And not just law enforcement here in Massachusetts, but nationwide. Um, and also these DNA companies, these private genetic testing companies have a really poor history of leaks and uh, loss of data and misuse of data and things like that. And you know, the Massachusetts legislature, Bill and Buzz, they passed a law that says if law enforcement wants to collect your DNA, um, and keep it, they have to do it through a certain state, a government database that has government due process protections and restrictions uh, and ways that the data has to be protected and can't be used in wrong ways. And so by outsourcing this to a private company, they're effectively just doing a workaround. They're doing a workaround around the state laws that would protect our privacy, especially our genetic privacy. Um, and so I think while this is probably well-intentioned, and I think on its face people would go, great, I get a free DNA test and can do my genetic, see my genetic history, people need to understand the seriousness of making that decision. And I think the Hamden County DA's office needs to understand that the consent um, to is not probably adequate. We haven't seen what the consent form is, but I would suggest that the company's consent form is not adequate when in fact the state is not only obtaining this DNA information, but paying for it by giving away these free, uh, or buying for $100 a piece these DNA kits, which then they're giving to members of the public ostensibly for free. Um, but it's not free. There's no such thing as a free DNA swamp, I guess is how the saying would go. I am also concerned about the lack of disclosure so far that I've seen saying, if you want your DNA swab so that we can use it to try to arrest someone for a serious crime. I mean, th right. that, that's what it's for. Where is that in big bold letters? Disclosure, right. this is what it's for. I, I don't, I haven't seen it. I'm not saying it hasn't happened or won't happen or there won't be big announcements over the public address system at the hockey game, although I doubt it. Right, now, and, and you know, we've, we've seen other, uh, district attorneys think about this and then back away from doing it and thank goodness um, because again we have a, a system in place for the government to do this to try to close cold cases but when you give it over to this uh, to these private companies uh, who are going to then share it with law enforcement nationwide um, you're not making the decision just for yourself you're making it for all of your current relatives and all of your future progeny down the road forever and ever um, and so it's very very serious and very scary um, and I would encourage your listeners to say no and just refuse to comply with this because it's, it's, it's really not appropriate 
for us to make these decisions, not just for ourselves, but for everyone in our DNA family. We are speaking with Carol Rose, who is the executive director of the ACLU of Massachusetts. We are going to be talking about whether or not the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the police can actually follow you, locate you anywhere you go because of your cell phone. We'll find out right after this. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. We continue our conversation with Carol Rose, who is the executive director of the ACLU of Massachusetts. Carol, we hear a lot about the possibility of the government tracking us all the time, 24-7, because many of us have cell phones. And there is the possibility that the government can know not only what we're saying, who we're communicating with, uh, what, what we are downloading, what we are, information we're seeking, but where we are all the time. And I know that the ACLU of Massachusetts is very involved in trying to cabin in this potential enormous, and actually not potential, but existing threat to our privacy. Tell us what the situation is and what the ACLU of Massachusetts is doing, please. Absolutely. So this is uh, really an effort coming from our Technology for Liberty program as well as a reproductive justice program and working with a whole range of allies across the state to make sure that our privacy is protected because our cell phone location you know many I carry my cell phone wherever I go and many of us do but that re reveals you know where we live where we work where we worship where we seek medical care and more and it's available for purchase right now from data brokers in an open market you know all you need is a credit card um, and so in response to this, a whole host of civil rights organizations um, are sounding the alarm about this really dangerous predatory industry. And we did a poll here in Massachusetts and 92% of Massachusetts voters actually favor banning cell phone location data. Um, and so that's why we're working with our partners at a range of groups, for, uh, reproductive justice groups like Planned Parenthood and Reproductive Equity Now, as well as uh, uh, domestic violence group, anti-domestic violence groups like Jane Doe, uh, Labor, and all Trans Health, a whole bunch of other groups, and we've joined together to try to pass what's called the Location Shield Act. And the Location Shield Act, pending in the legislature, would stop the sale of cell phone location data to these data brokers in our state. And in so doing, it would protect all of us. Um, and in ways that, you know, when you think about a bounty hunter uh, down in Texas who wants to find out if somebody has visited an abortion clinic, right, a reproductive justice uh, health care clinic, um, then they, they would be able to track you. Um, people could track, uh, buy the cell phone location data and track where somebody they're stalking has gone. Um, you know, people can track, um, anybody, you can just use your imagination wherever you go. If you're seeking mental health services or going to your AA meeting, people can track that and blackmail you. So what we're trying to do is to say this data can be, shouldn't be used against people, that this is the data that you have a right to keep where you go and you sh your location shouldn't be tracked. So we're really hopeful um, that the legislature will pass the Location Shield Act uh, in this legislative session, and we hope people will tell your state legislators that you want them to support the Location Shield Act. And and listeners can still do that. The bill has had a hearing, I believe, has it? Um, or is the yeah. hearing coming up? It has had a hearing, yeah. and so it will be reported. But right now, 
this is the week of action and right now it's important to tell your legislature because it has to get what's called joint rule 10 which is coming up at early february uh which is the the bills that haven't been uh, need to be passed out and they'll continue if the bill doesn't get through joint rule 10 then it dies on the vine for this legislative session so we're really urging people to call your legislator right now after this, after this show, uh, call your legislator and say, I support passage of the Location Shield Act to protect privacy of our cell phones. Um, and I think that would go a long way uh, towards protecting all of us. And again, because, you know, the ACLU is a multi-issue organization. We care about uh, equal rights. We care about uh, uh, reproductive justice. We care about immigrants' rights, all these things. And this is a bill that crosses all of those issues and keeps all of us safe by making sure that data brokers, private data brokers, can't just sell our location data uh, with the, for people with a credit card. And, and you know, this, this really can happen. It was really interesting that the Rolling Stone just had a piece about a couple of academics and they were able to track people using buying their cell phone location data who came and went from Mar-a-Lago uh, visiting Donald Trump. Uh, and included, they were able to find out like where people lived, where they worked, what their ages were, what their incomes were, their ethnicity, their education level, who they were visiting, how much time they spent at Mar-a-Lago. Um, and, you know, that what they did that to draw attention to the power of being able to track people's location based on our cell phones. Um, you know, and maybe we don't care who, if they do it to people visiting Mar-a-Lago, but we should because if you can do it to them, it can happen to each of us. And so by passing the Location Shield Act, it ensures that we're able to use our phones. Uh, you know, we can still use mapping applications. We can still, it's not going to in any way hurt our ability to use our phones uh, to help us on location. But it wouldn't be, what wouldn't be able to happen is that these private cell phone location data brokers wouldn't be able to just sell our location data we don't without our even even knowing about it so by putting a ban on it it would really keep all of us more safe and you're encouraging our listeners to call their state senators or their state and or their state rep and yep. tell them that they support the location shield act is that right that's right and uh you know and it's location shield act it's house 357 senate 148 but you don't need to remember that just call your state representative and your state senator and say please support the location shield act keep my cell phone data location private and everyone else's and everyone visiting here everyone else's everyone yeah that's right because even if someone came in from uh you know a more oppressive state and was seeking you know, to be in Massachusetts to seek medical care or whatever, uh, it would also protect those people who are visiting. Carol Rose, we are running short on time, but I don't want to let you go before asking you about what happened in Great Barrington, the police <laughs> officer showing up to interrogate an eighth grade teacher about a book. I wrote about it. I wrote about it in a column, my most recent column, the Daily Hampshire Gazette and the Greenfield Recorder. But in a, in a, in a week filled with outrages, um, this was pretty near the top of the list. Yeah, this is pretty crazy, and I'm, I'm sure people out there have heard about it, too. Um, it, it's This is the situation. We're, let me just set the context. Massachusetts, according to the American Library Association, ranks fourth in the nation for efforts at book bans. Fourth in the nation. Um, and so we're seeing this big rise in efforts to ban books that people don't like or don't agree with. But in Great Barrington, it went a step further. Not only did they try to ban the book, they called the police in to try to investigate and to interrogate these eighth grade, this eighth grade teacher to try to um, intimidate teachers um, in, in search of a book that <laughs> should be in the, in the library. Um, and so it's really important that we 
the hysteria. We need to stop and breathe and pause and make sure that our students have a right to read, our students have a right to learn um, and a right to express themselves. And we certainly shouldn't be getting the criminal legal system involved in these conversations and debates. Um, and I'm so glad to say that there is actually a bill, yet another bill in the state legislature that we can support and should support, um, which would basically say that um, it's a right to learn uh, book, a, a bill that would say that you cannot ban books um, in our schools and in our libraries uh, without basically going through a, a series of steps that defer to the people who are the curriculum experts um, and understand what should and shouldn't be in our libraries. But it can't just be because some parent doesn't agree and they call cops and they come in and raid a, a middle school. Um, that's just scary. Um, you know, history shows that the good guys are never on the side of book burnings and book bans. And there is a legislative fix, and there has been a hearing. It was a hearing I listened to remotely. It was very moving. The testimony of the teachers and the librarians and the educators uh, were all very moving. We really appreciated the support of the Massachusetts Teachers Association. The bill, the bill is yet to be reported out. So when you call your state rep and state senator, tell them you support this bill too. Yeah, it's and, it's the right to, and it's the right to learn bill. And, and I think that's really important that we keep in mind what this is really about. This is about protecting the right of students uh, to be able to access information uh, so that they can learn, they can explore, and that is in fact the purpose of school. Carol Rose is the Executive Director of the ACLU of Massachusetts. We call this segment Writing Wrongs, and I think today is a good example of why. Carol Rose, thanks so very much. It's always great to be here. Thank you. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.